Family Post recommends polite conversation on topics like the weather. But the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's magazine, The Lutheran Witness, is no Emily Post. Go to cph.org slash trylutheranwitness for a special offer of $6.99 for six issues and receive the March issue covering controversial topics like climate change, overpopulation, and the intersection of science and theology. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. cph.org slash trylutheranwitness. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed by thy name. An alpha female, the way I define it is it's a go-getter, very task-oriented. While it can be advantageous in certain areas, and certainly in a marriage and when it comes to love and men, it is not a good thing at all. I know some prophets who literally have a prophetic batting average worse than a National League bullpen pitcher right now. The good news of Scripture is that we can come to God with the multitude of our sinful desires and behavior in repentance, knowing that the condemnation for those sins has been taken upon Christ on the cross. Confessional Lutheran Missionary Campus Pastors, Love, Issues, Etc. When you think about Christian devotion, I would guess that probably low on the list of resources would be the Ten Commandments. We don't think about these as devotional resources, especially we Lutherans who sometimes sometimes mistakenly overstate our case on the law as though we were allergic to it. Do the Ten Commandments have any use for the Christians, even in his devotional life? We're going to be answering that question in part two of our series on the Christian devotional life, talking about the Ten Commandments. Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. After our conversation with Pastor Wolf Miller, we will conclude our hour with Part 55 of our series on Martin Luther and the Reformation, dealing with Luther, his treatment of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Dr. Ken Sherb will be our guest. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is a regular guest. He joins us to talk about the Ten Commandments in our series on the Christian devotional life. He is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio and author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book. Brian, welcome back. Thank you. Why is it that you say that Christians often take a minimalistic view of the Ten Commandments? This is, It seems to me the... A general idea that people have of the Ten Commandments is just about the same as they have for the pool rules that are posted at the hotel swimming pool. You know, it's just a list of disconnected rules. Uh, don't have any glass containers, no swimming for 30 minutes after you eat. Uh, if you're 12 years old, you can't be unaccompanied, this sort of thing. And that the Ten Commandments in most people's imaginations are this way. Oh, yeah, don't uh, commit adultery. And, oh, yeah, don't steal and kill anyone and go to church. Just completely disconnected from creation, from God's will and his name and everything else. Just a set of rules. And if this is how the Ten Commandments are, they really can find no solid place in our devotional life at all. So uh, what are we talking about? When we're Just to be very basic here, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we are talking about that that moral law that, is given Moses, and that Jesus makes so much uh, use of, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. And it has 
in the history of the church been one of the foundational documents or texts that is studied? In fact, when we say the catechism, we're probably in its most essential form talking about the Ten Commandments and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer, just those three things. And the Ten Commandments are highlighted as that particularly important text that we should uh, get our heads around. In fact, Martin Kimnitz says that the Ten Commandments were the invention of the written word, that before that people could only speak, uh, but there was no writing until God himself took his finger and wrote the Ten Commandments in the tablets. And that was the invention of human language. But even if that's not true, that the fact that God wrote the Ten Commandments in the tablets of stone is an indication for us that this is something that we want to pay attention to. It's a, a very important uh, set of words that we want to give attention. And in fact, in the Christian devotional life, we give attention to those Ten Commandments every day. Uh, another thing I wanted you to clarify here, and that is we're not talking about kind of ten arbitrary rules. We are talking about something that reveals who God is, at least in part, aren't we? That's right. The, the formula of Concord calls the Ten Commandments the revelation of God's will. And more than that, the Ten Commandments tell a story. They're connected to one another. The first has to do with the second, the second to the third. The fourth is connected to the fifth through the tenth. The ninth and tenth are wrapped around back to the first, so they relate to each other. And I think maybe this is a key point with the Ten Commandments to remember, is that the Ten Commandments are the Lord's way of protecting his gifts, so I tell the story to try to get this to the confirmation kids that when I was their age, we would go in the hills behind our house. And there was on this, the third hill behind our house, this huge tower. And we knew it was important because there was a chain link fence with barbed wire along the top all around this tower. So we knew that whoever built this tower wanted to protect it. And so they put up this fence. So we, me and my brothers did what 10 year old kids do. We threw rocks at it. If it's important, that's what you do. But this is the point of the commandments, is that the Lord has built fences around these important things. And the 10 gifts that the Lord gives to us in the commandments are himself, his name, his word, authority and civil life, life itself, marriage and children, possessions, a good name and contentment, a settled heart. And the Lord has built these 10 fences around these gifts for our sake and for the sake of our neighbor. You say that in that vein, the Ten Commandments protect God's gifts to us. Yeah, this is exactly it. So when the Lord gives something to me or he wants to protect it from sin, death, and the devil, when he gives that to my neighbor, he wants to protect my, the gift he gives to the neighbor from my own sinfulness. And so he's put these walls, or Luther in the large catechism calls the commandments hedges. He puts hedges around the gifts. So when we see the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, we recognize that the Lord is protecting his great gift of marriage. Or the commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, is the Lord's way of protecting prayer and hearing of his word, the worship of the church on earth. So that the Lord is, he's not establishing the gifts in the Ten Commandments, but because the Ten Commandments are there protecting the gifts, we can see the gifts that the Lord has established in creation and in the world, and we can recognize them through the Ten Commandments. All right. In terms of kind of the devotional meditation, most people think about their devotions. They sit down, they 
read something, they contemplate it, maybe they have a prayer that is connected to it. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about when it comes to God's word of the Ten Commandments? Well, sort of. I was working on how to, because Luther, in when he tells us to pray in the morning and the evening in the catechism, he tells us to go to work singing a hymn of the Ten Commandments. In fact, he says, go to work joyfully singing a hymn of the Ten Commandments. And I was thinking about what that ought to look like in our devotional lives now. What it should look like to sing a hymn of the Ten Commandments. We, Luther himself wrote a hymn of the Ten Commandments. It's kind of tough to sing. Uh, but but to go to, to go to work or go about our daily business meditating on these ten words and letting them bear their fruit. Now, there is a way that we take each of the commandments and pray them. In fact, Luther writes a letter to his barber, Peter, and he's teaching him how to pray, and he does that. He shows him how to take each of the commandments and weave together a fourfold strand to to turn the commandments into a prayer, and that's something fun to talk about. But I think even before that, the the Ten Commandments are constantly informing us so that this question that Luther teaches us to ask, what is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? This is the golden question. It teaches us not only what sins we confess, it also teaches us what we do when we go to work, and it finally it teaches us what we should pray. Well, what's my station in life according to the Ten Commandments? Well, that's what I pray for, that God would uh, bless and keep alive my family and my friends, that he would see to the preaching of the word at Hope Lutheran Church, that he would hear the prayers of the Lord's people, uh, that he would come and visit us with his mercy. So that question, what is my station in life according to the Ten Commandments, starts to shape my prayers. You said a moment ago it shapes what sins we confess, so it, it can save the Christian a lot of time, so to speak, that he doesn't go feeling guilty over things that aren't condemned by the Ten Commandments and going going about confessing sins that may be based upon a self-invented kind of a righteousness. Yeah, that's right. The Ten Commandments are always calibrating and informing the conscience. This is why I suggest in the devotional challenge book, the challenge for week two is to include the Ten Commandments in your devotions. But I put it after the prayers, if it's in the morning, or before the prayers, and it's if it's in the evening. And I think that's because the Ten Commandments have these two different shapes or two different roles. When I pray in the morning and then I speak the Ten Commandments and go to work, the Ten Commandments are shaping my action and my love. They're telling me what a good work is and what a sin is as I go about my day. And then when I go to pray at night and I'm reflecting back on the day, I'm confessing my sins, I start with the Ten Commandments, which is going to expose all my failures, and then I'm going to go to the Lord and confess those sins and rejoice in his mercy and forgiveness. Uh, you said also something about it informing our prayers, and we're praying uh, regarding our station in life according to the Ten Commandments. Do we also pray for the, the one thing that we cannot generate for ourselves by our own powers, and the one thing that the law cannot produce in us, but does require of us, and that is obedience to these commandments? Oh, yeah. So that we pray that the Lord would give us the strength so that we would begin to keep them. 
I think that's the key word, by the way, Todd, is begin. Whenever we talk about our Christian life of love, we can never talk about finishing it. We can never accomplish these things. We spend our whole lives trying to keep just one of the commandments, much less all ten of them. But we pray that the Holy Spirit would come and give us the strength to begin, to begin to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to begin to love our neighbor as ourselves, to begin to take care of our neighbor in his body, to begin to cherish and love my wife like I ought to, to begin to serve all my family and children and neighbors and bless them and not curse them. So we pray for strength to begin these things. And then at the end of the day, we pray for the Lord's mercy so that he can, by faith, make a completion to our good works or make our good works pleasing to him. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. He also says that meditating on the Ten Commandments as part of Christian devotion is conscience training. He mentioned that a moment ago. And conscience alignment. We'll discuss that on the other side of the break. Part two of our series on the Christian devotional life today. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book, is our guest. Your pastor has been called to shepherd you as a member of Christ's flock. Doxology offers an innovative program of advanced study retreats where your pastor can be refreshed, renewed, and refocused. Find out more at doxology.us. Many pastors report that doxology has been one of the most valuable learning experiences since seminary. Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. Doxology.us doxology.us. Trinity Lutheran Church in Valonia, Indiana, is a mighty fortress that stands as a bulwark against the attacks of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. We are located in Jackson County, about two miles south of historic Fort Valonia on State Road 135. Join us every Lord's Day for Sunday school and Bible class at 830 and divine service at 930. Come and receive the gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation from God's valiant one, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death and holds the field forever. Continuing education for the confessional Lutheran. You're listening to Issues Etc. Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org slash deaconess. Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry, lcms.org slash deaconess. Celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation with the new Martin Luther plush figure. It features the 16th century reformer holding the Bible and Luther's morning and evening prayers. Go to ReformationGear.com, use the coupon code ISSUESETC, and 20% of your purchase will help support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. ReformationGear.com, the new Martin Luther plush figure, ReformationGear.com, and enter the coupon code ISSUESETC. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It was the fifth anniversary 
of our return to the air. And we thought we would celebrate during the summer by holding a special conference. We called it the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. It really was, I think, intended to kind of be just a one-off thing and a anniversary celebration. Well, after the conference, we had people telling us that they wanted us to do it again. It started as a special event, just marking that five-year anniversary, but the high demand for an annual conference from the attendees said, okay, we'll do it again. For the last two years, it has been sold out. And so this year, we've decided to do something else, and that is sponsor two Making the Case conferences in 2017. We will have our traditional summer conference, Friday, June the 9th, and Saturday, June the 10th, right here in Collinsville, Illinois, about 15 miles east of St. Louis. And we're adding a second conference in the winter. That's Friday, November the 10th, and Saturday, November the 11th in Houston, Texas. So you won't have to weather any real winter weather down there. Now, you can register and find out more about both of these issues, etc., making the case conferences. I believe Pastor Wolf Miller will be speaking at the Houston one down there. Go to our website, issuesetc.org, issuesetc.org, or call us, 618-223-8385. Registration is $120, and that includes three mails for both the summer and the winter, Issues Etc., Making the Case Conferences, summer Friday, June the 9th, and Saturday, June the 10th in Collinsville, Illinois, and winter, that's Friday, November the 10th, and Saturday, November the 11th in Houston, Texas. All right, Pastor Wolf Miller, you said something earlier about the Ten Commandments kind of constantly aligning or calibrating the conscience. You say it's also training for the conscience. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, by the way, on the Issues Etc. Conference, Carrie's been looking for plane tickets, not only to bring her down there with me, but also all the kids. She loved it so much, she thinks the kids are going to love it too, so that's going to be great. Uh, this calibrating the conscience and training the conscience is important for us to consider. Because the conscience is a very malleable instrument. It's affected by all sorts of things. We notice that our conscience is fine-tuned to our environment. And when we move from one place to another, our conscience knows the difference. This is why when we were all teenagers, we had a completely different vocabulary around our friends than we did around our parents. Just the conscience knows where you are. And it makes that adjustment that quickly. Uh, now, this is something that's... Um, good for us to consider every day, that the conscience can be wrong, that the conscience can be misinformed, that the conscience can be twisted around and confused. And um, uh, and to correct that, the Lord has given us the great gift of the, Holy, uh, the, of the Ten Commandments. And it shapes our conscience, and it corrects our conscience. It lets our conscience know when the things are wrong, um, that they're wrong, and when the, when the conscience is, is right, that it's right. This is, I think, something we need to to bear in mind, and that is our conscience, given our sinful flesh, is always falling out of calibration. It can't, it can't stay fixed. Uh, once calibrated, it needs continual correction. Talk about that. Well, that's right, because the devil, I mean, the devil's chief work is in the conscience. I mean, that's where he's getting after us. That's where he wants us to... Uh, to be confused. I, I think that's why the devil loves sexual sins against the Sixth Commandment so much, because like Paul says, all other sins a man commits outside his body, but the sexual immorality commits inside his body. It just, it twists up the conscience. It makes, uh, you know, it makes it so difficult to see what's right and wrong. And the conscience, it's, if the conscience is dirty, everything becomes dirty. Everything becomes unclean. Paul, uh, John talks about this in First John, about how uh, to the holy all things are pure, but for the, uh, to the unholy all things are, are evil. There's nothing holy and pure, and the, the, the bad conscience makes the whole world 
a, a dangerous, dark, distasteful place. Uh, Luther loved this Leviticus verse that talked about how people are afraid of the shaking of a leaf. I think it's around Leviticus 26. But he says this is the result of the fall, that now we're not even afraid of the things that we're supposed to be afraid of, the things that can kill us. We're afraid of everything else. And a bad, this is the result of a bad conscience. It makes you terrified of the world and everything in it. Uh, so it's a horrible thing to have a bad conscience. And, and one of the ways that the devil works a bad conscience in us is he tries to make us not feel guilty over the things that we do bad over our sins, and he tries to make us feel extra guilty over the things that we did that aren't even bad. So a lot of the the kind of blasphemy laws that we see in our culture today, just to take an example, you know, there's all these things that you're not supposed to say uh, that are culturally insensitive. Well, they're not sins to say them, to speak them, uh, at least not not what I'm thinking about, but, but because they're not politically correct, you get a bad conscience for saying something. Uh, th- this is the way the devil works, of confusing the conscience, t- twisting, distorting, uh, callousing, uh, wounding, uh, d- transferring guilt from, from real sin to fake sin and back and forth. Uh, and so the t- to, to meditate on the Ten Commandments is to let the Holy Spirit do, do the work of r- reminding us what, in fact, a true uh, a good and godly work and good and godly life is. And then it gives us confidence. It's something we forget. We normally think that confidence comes from the gospel, which it does. But there's also a great comfort and confidence and joy that comes from the law when I can go and do something and know that that's, in fact, what God wants me to do. When I can stand up in the pulpit and preach, I can come down with a, with a, with a joyful conscience knowing that that's exactly what God wanted me to do because he called me to be a pastor. When I go home and I care for my family, or when I go and visit someone in the hospital, I can go about that work with a joyful conscience because of the Ten Commandments. Because I know that what I'm doing is something that God has instituted, uh, that, and and that makes uh, uh, and that God is pleased with. You had mentioned Luther recommending the Ten Commandments as the subject of prayer. Go into a little more detail there. Yeah, well, this uh, and and I think in the devotional challenge book that we're talking about, this is especially going to come up. Uh, I don't know, challenge eleven or twelve or something like that, where we look at specifically uh, Luther's fourfold uh, use of prayer. And Luther's going to talk about taking the catechism and weaving it into a, a fourfold wreath. Like uh, you can imagine having four, four vines and you weave them together in a braid to make a crown. That's the picture that he gives. And he suggests that uh, that those four strands are instruction, thanksgiving, confession, and prayer. And again, a lot more to say about that. But his first example, or his first few examples that he gives on how to do this is with the Ten Commandments. So he says, you take the first commandment, and you say, what does this teach me? What does this give me? How, what does this show me to confess in my sins? And what petition does this offer? And he'll even give some example prayers. Lord, I thank you that you teach me that you are my God who gives me all good things and I don't have any other gods, nothing else to be afraid of. I thank you for this great gift that you give me to yourself. I confess that I'm always tempted to fear and love and trust other things aside from you. And so I pray that you would grant me your Holy Spirit so that I would love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength this day and always and all that I say and do and think. It's just, it's beautiful. So that the commandments themselves are transformed into prayers as we live a life before God. So this is also kind of doing the double duty, not only of, while at the same time, instructing us according to the Ten Commandments, our station in life. It's also filling up those voids that we so often feel in, in prayer, where I, I don't know what to say. I, I have no idea what to pray about. 
These are the kind of things that, like the Lord's Prayer, we can pray about without worrying that we're asking for frivolous things or that uh, our prayers are somehow uh, substandard, so to speak. That's it. You know, what is this picture that we are tempted to think about prayer? Is like, it's like Jesus comes over for dinner, and, and but he comes up, he he just kind of shows up uninvited, and now we and with an empty plate, and we got to just kind of. We're just kind of looking all over in the refrigerator of our hearts for some leftovers to dish up for them. I mean, it's like, well, I don't know what else to say. And and it's an it's an irony that the that the American evangelical way of prayer, which says that every prayer has to be ex corde, out of the heart, that you just got to dump out your heart. That the more we practice that, probably the more our prayers become very rote. They sound very much the same. That our ex corde prayers are just memorized prayers, and they're very small, you know, very anemic. All we, you know, we we can have a, you know, bless so and so, bless so and so, and give us a good night's sleep. And I mean, I'm 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 talking like I'm some sort of expert in prayer by no means. I mean, I I wrote this training book for myself because I need to learn this too. But this is part of it is that the scriptures are filling up our prayers. We're not praying out of the riches of our heart. I mean, we know what the riches of the heart are, sin and every kind of uncleanness. We pray from the riches of the Lord's word. We pray from the riches of God's instruction and teaching and promises so that the Ten Commandments would become a prayer, not only instruction for us, but also that they would fill up the words that we speak to the Lord is is precisely the way that the Christian uh, called by the Lord's word would pray that we take these things that the Lord has given to us and we and we give them right back to Him. You also say that this will bring about this use of the Ten Commandments in in Christian devotion brings about a daily repetition of the commandments, which is, as you say, good for us. How so? It occurs to me the other day there was Christians. Um, they were outside a courthouse protesting that they took the Ten Commandments down. <laughs> and then one of these kind of um, uh, late-night TV show smarties went out there with a camera and a, and a microphone and asked these Christians who were protesting the taking down of the Ten Commandments what the Ten Commandments are. <laughs> and none of these folks could n- actually list the Ten Commandments. Now, I, I, th- I wish... I mean, I wish one of them would have had the kind of self-awareness to, as they tried to name the Ten Commandments and could name like three of them, or you shouldn't murder and tell lies, to say, well, see, that's why it's so important we have a list of them on the wall, <laughs> because because we don't know what they are. But it's an amazing sort of thing that we we say that the Ten Commandments have this central place in biblical the- theology. I mean, if you know, Luther says the whole Psalter is nothing but a meditation on the First Commandment, for example, that the whole Bible is just an unfolding of the Ten Commandments. Uh, yeah, as the Lord both um, shows us how we break them and then gives us their righteousness by the death of Jesus, that we should know them. And so when we repeat them every day, they become part of us. And, and, uh, and, and when we repeat the Ten Commandments every day, we, you get past memorizing them so that you know them so well that you can, in fact, reflect on them. You're not when you, for example, say the first commandment, "You shall have no other gods." If you if you're repeating it every day, you don't have to think, "Oh yeah, what's the first commandment? What's the next word?" You know what it is. You shall have no other gods. And now we are we're carrying around the catechism with us, so that in any spare moment we can turn our attention to the commandments, to the creed, to the Lord's prayer, these basic texts and gifts to us, and we can meditate on them and rejoice in them. What can you tell us about this new resource, the Devotional Challenge Book? I think it's at the website, wolfmuller.co slash devotionalchallengebook. And the idea is, 
is really each week I introduce a new challenge. So last week, pick a time for prayer. This week, include the Ten Commandments in your prayers. Uh, next week, I think we introduce the hearing of the Psalms. And then it has worksheets for every day. So there's a place to, to, the prayers are written out for you. There's a place to reflect on these things. There's a place to go through them. Uh, and it's free to download. You can, if you want it to be printed fancy in a, in a cover or with the spiral bound, you can buy it on Lulu for a few bucks, but you can download it for free so anybody can use it. Uh, and the idea is that this workbook, after that we're done with using it for 16 weeks, uh, that hopefully, Lord willing, we'll have a, a Holy Spirit-shaped evangelical piety. It'll fill up our devotional life so that we can, with joy, with joy, hear the Lord's Word and pray His Word back to Him. You can find out more about the Devotional Challenge book at our website, issueztc.org. Click Listen On Demand. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, and author of the new resource, The Devotional Challenge Book. Brian, thank you very much for being our guest. You got it. We'll be spending some time with Dr. Ken Sherb on the other side of the break, our continuing series on Martin Luther and the Reformation. Moving along in Luther's treatment of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, beginning at verse 6, ask and it will be given to you. Stay tuned. This is a message for members of Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Thrivent Financial has a charitable grant program called Thrivent Choice. Thrivent Choice allows you to designate charitable outreach funds to Lutheran Public Radio. For more information, look for the Thrivent logo under the Donate page of our website, issuesetc.org, or ask your Thrivent representative about Thrivent Choice. Help support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. with Thrivent Choice. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu slash theology. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at lutheracademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth, Luther Academy. 260-452-2211 or lutheracademy.com. In a world awash with all sorts of information, opinions, and ideas, there is still a place where God's Word is the central and only focus. Messiah Lutheran Church, 801 North Madison, Lebanon, Illinois. At 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, God's people gather there to listen to Him. There you will find His words of law and gospel, and of course, our Lord's Holy Supper. Bible classes focus on the Bible and the Lutheran confessions. Come, listen, believe, and live, and check out our website at messiahlebanon.org. Where doctrine is life. You're listening to Issues Etc. Come and experience firsthand by sitting down in classes and actually hearing professors. Coming to chapel, which is always the high point of the day, to hear the Word of God and to lift our voices in song. 
Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Paul Grimm on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Spend time talking to professors. I mean, there's not a professor here who will not be willing to, to take time, whether it's after chapel during the coffee hour or just to come into one's study and, and sit down and talk for a while, to answer questions, to you know, help them to get a sense of, A, you know, do they want to be a pastor or a deaconess? And then B, is this the right place? And well, maybe C would be the question, is now the right time for them to make that decision? If you've contemplated the vocation of pastor or deaconess, contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or send an email to admission at ctsfw.edu.